Hello and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyten and in this podcast we'll be discussing sudden unexpected death in epilepsy or SUDEP, basic mechanisms and clinical implications for prevention. This review was selected for patient choice for the April issue of the JNMP journal. I'm joined over Skype today by one of the paper's authors, Dr. Brian Delohi from the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Iowa. Welcome, Dr. Delohi, and thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Elizabeth, and thank you for having me. The first thing I wanted to ask, Brian, was could you provide some context for us? Uh, what is the criteria for SUDEP, and, and what's the prevalence rate in epileptic patients? Yeah, so just in general, I think uh, what is SUDEP? I think it's a great question. Uh, so SUDEP, again, as you said, is the sudden unexpected death in epilepsy. So there's specific criteria, um, but in general, it's a term uh, that refers to an unexpected death in a seemingly healthy individual with epilepsy. And so when I say healthy individual, I'm referring to the fact that the patient hasn't experienced trauma or a drowning and there's been no associated episode of status epilepticus. So the patient didn't have a massive myocardial infarction. There's been no aneurysm rupture. In fact, if you do a, a post-mortem examination, it doesn't reveal a structural or toxicological cause for death. So, right. so that's the criteria for SUDEP. Um, these deaths, they're often unwitnessed. So therefore, there doesn't have to be evidence of a seizure to be diagnosed as SUDEP, although it's felt that SUDEP invariably occurs due to a seizure. So, and most of the witness cases would suggest this. If you want to talk about the prevalence, the you know approximately one person out of a thousand people with epilepsy will die each year from SUDEP. This is uh, there's a low incidence of SUDEP in, in these population-based studies. That really belies the the cumulative lifetime risk of death from SUDEP in an individual epilepsy patient, which is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, often occurs in the very young, so the mean age at death, and most studies is between 25 and about 39 years of age. Therefore, SUDEP is second only to stroke in these years of potential life lost. Mm-hmm. So in general, it's a, a great health burden when you look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. What are the challenges in examining SUDEP and I suppose disentangling the, the possible causal mechanisms for this diagnosis? Um, are you able to sort of summarize what mechanisms have been implicated in SUDEP? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the biggest challenge in studying SUDEP is that, it, that it's a, a sporadic event. Um, you know, a lot of other conditions and diseases that we study and medical research, there are, there are long diseases. Um, you can study over, over many years in individual patients and, and in models. However, you know, SUDEP is, is a, um, it's a death uh, it's, a, it's one sporadic event, um, hard to study. Um, we do have some mouse models, um, but a lot of kind of evidence that we've developed, of, that we've used, have come from witness cases of SUDEP and cases actually from video EEG monitored cases of SUDEP. And those have kind of really helped us elucidate some of the underlying causes and mechanisms. One of the um, an important study was a Mortimus study, which basically reviewed 11 SUDEP cases that occurred during video EEG monitoring. And in those cases, SUDEP almost invariably occurred after a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. 
um, and respiratory difficulty and actually respiratory arrest preceded cardiac arrest. Now, this happened in all, all 11 cases in the morning study. Additionally, most of the patients were often found face down in bed after death. So these kind of witness case and other witness cases have uh, kind of shown the same kind of thing. And so a lot of this kind of helps point to what, what's going on. Um, one of the big things that came out of it was this, the, the respiratory arrest, really preceding cardiac arrest. We know that in, in seizures, really 33% of all seizures, hypoventilation and oxygen desaturation, so the blood oxygen levels, they decrease. So 33% of all seizures. So this is thought to be one like the initiating events that leads to SUDEP. Obviously, 33% of all seizures doesn't lead to SUDEP, but possibly severe oxygen desaturation could lead to then a, a cascade of certain events. So maybe after a generalized tonic-clonic seizure, a severe apnea, the patient's maybe face down in bed, so there's some environmental factors that seem to play a role. There might be some other predisposing respiratory factors. The patient doesn't have as good of lungs. They have an underlying uh, lung condition. They're prone, they're face down, their chest can't expand, they can't move as much air. And there's probably other cardiac predisposers. Those could include certain genetic um, variations, um, abnormal um, uh, cardiac rhythms um, that are underlying and from a genetic standpoint. So it's, it's uh, uh, probably a multifactorial kind of uh, event. Your paper certainly suggests that some of the risk factors may be modifiable. What strategies can clinicians and patients implement to reduce the risk of SUDEP? That's a great question, Elizabeth. That's a, that question is asked by many of my patients. But really, there's a limited evidence-based research right now for methods to prevent SUDEP. That's currently, and there's obviously a lot of other research that's ongoing to kind of um, find things that we could do to prevent SUDEP. The, one of the most often cited risk factors for SUDEP is an increased frequency of, of having a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Additionally, another, another factor is early onset of epilepsy. Um, so really, a, the biggest thing is trying to c- control and reduce seizures. Um, so if a patient's newly diagnosed with epilepsy, they need to work with their, their neurologist, have a proper workup done, get controlled with medications, determine if they're a seizure, if they're a surgery candidate as well, which is extraordinarily important. Surgery is extraordinarily beneficial in treating certain types of epilepsy. And for, for many years, we, the community, neurologists and nurses have been trying to really um, get the proper patients to surgery at the, the appropriate time because so it can really have a dramatic um, effect on reducing seizures. The more you can reduce seizures, the more likely you're going to re- reduce your chance of SUDEP. Another key point here is um, since this, the mean age at death in most studies is between 25 and 39 years of age, these young um, adults, it's thought that compliance is extraordinarily important. Um, so you have to stay on your medications. Even when you leave your typical household, you go off to college and so forth. It, those are key times uh, to, to really stay compliant on your medications. My final question is just with regards to the review itself. If you were to summarize the key take-home message of this review that, that you and other fellow authors have published, uh, what would you say it was? Um, you know, I, I think SUDEP for a long time has not really been, really been recognized. It's poorly understood. It still mm-hmm. is, um, but I think really uh, there's been a big push recently to, to better understand it 
I think a lot of good research is coming out now by a lot of people. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a cascade of events that occur. Um, and it's multifactorial involving a lot of different systems in the body. And it's just going to require, I think, you know, a lot of research and a lot of effort and time by a lot of, a lot of people in the field, as well as help from, from the community and from the epilepsy community to keep kind of pushing uh, research dollars into the field. The more research is done on this, the better we're going to be able to understand it. Um, the better we're able to understand it, the better we're going to have, be able to have these modifiable risk factors. And uh, I, think, I think that's kind of one of the biggest kind of take-home messages. It's still a complex uh, event, um, a lot left to understand. It certainly sounds like, I mean, your review certainly contributes to the field. I think it's a really important review for, for exactly that reason, the um, education of the public and, and hopefully um, with this podcast as well, that, that will help as well. Um, thank you very much for joining me today, Dr. Deloli. I really appreciated it. Yeah, thank you, Elizabeth. I appreciate it too. That was Dr. Delohi from the University of Iowa for the JNMP podcast. If anyone has any concerns about the issues raised in today's podcast, then we recommend contacting your local Epilepsy Foundation for further information. All the papers we discuss on the podcast are available for free download on jnmp.bmj.com. On behalf of the JNMP, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to tuning in with you all next time.